Hello guys, Jack here from Jack Makes Happy Hour podcast. And yes, the rumours are true. We're heading back out on tour in May 2024. 68% of the tickets are already sold out, but there are still a few left at Edinburgh, Newcastle, Manchester, Birmingham, Leeds, Cardiff, Sheffield, Nottingham, Bristol, Bury, and our home city of Norwich. So don't waste any time. Grab your tickets today and come and watch me, Alfie and Robbie live. And me. Mainly me, Alfie and Robbie there, isn't it? Yeah. Happyhourlive.co.uk. See you in May. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavoured Snapple near you. We all have darker sense of humours than we pretend. We put on this mask when we go outside and we go, oh no, you shouldn't say that, despite the fact that our WhatsApp groups could end every single one of our careers. There's comedians who are hugely famous that I think are utterly, utterly dog shit. It's like when people come up to me and they go, I don't think you're funny. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And the day my sister uh, died... There was no laughter in the house, obviously. I remember the first time I made my parents laugh after my sister died, and it was the day of my sister's fucking funeral. One of my best friends, his wife, at the age of uh, 26, has just been diagnosed with cancer, which is horrific. You bet your fucking ass five minutes into that conversation I was making cancer jokes. Fuck shit, fuck shit, fuck shit, cunt. Mm. Fuck shit, fuck shit, fuck shit, cunt. Motherfucker, 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 shit. Paul Burnham is the reason I will never be the greatest comedian my age. What's your, give us your top three Paul Burnham songs then. I like Art is Dead. Art is Dead! <laughs> yeah. Good, that's exactly the correct answer. <laughs> it's not funny to hit a kid. I go, I know it's not funny to hit a kid. That's why it's funny to pretend to hit a kid. Because it would be the worst thing to do in that situation. <laughs> Hello guys, how you doing? It's me, Jack, mate, and welcome back to Jack Makes Happy Hour. We've got brand new mic covers. Marvellous. Gone up in the world a little bit. We are joined by a great guest today, a guest that I've been a fan of for a long time, comedian Daniel Sloss. How you doing, mate? You alright? Good, buddy. How are you? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for dropping in. Thanks for having me on a fucking hoaching day. It is, mate. It's very hot and it gets fucking boiling in here. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, mate. It's one of those ones where you suddenly realise I got on the tube and you realise it's one of those shirts where you're like, that... This shirt was just designed to show pit stain. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that's the only reason why it was made, why they picked that fucking colour. Mate, they're going to be so much worse. Oh, I'm just gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to look like I've just been to the fucking gym and I have not been for years. You, you've been a bit ill, Stevie, haven't you? Yeah, not that, not, you're not going to catch anything. Yeah. But I've, yeah, I've spent my last three days in bed. So, how, so, so when you say that Daniel's not going to catch anything, how can you can... I think... It was heat stroke. You can go now if you want that. No, no, no. One thing I've learned in life is if you drink enough alcohol, no disease can survive with inside you. <laughs> Proper Scottish mentality. Yeah, that. yeah absolutely. I hadn't, been, I hadn't been sick for years and years and years, and there was one week I took off drinking, and I got the flu. <laughs> and I was like, well, there it is. There it absolutely is. Never again. Yeah, I don't, need to, I don't need any more science than that. <laughs> like, fuck your peer-reviewed studies. It's like, I've done the test myself. Yeah. If I drink this much, any germs inside my body either just decide to die yeah. or live it up. As I'm a like, party. Hey, yeah. They go in there, they get sort of soaked up in the whiskey, and they're like, ah, maybe we won't make them sick. Maybe we'll just have fun. <laughs> What's so, your go-to drink? I need alcohol. I'll, uh, I'm a, Man, I've got the fucking drinking pal of a uh, 47-year-old widow woman really into gin yeah i I'm like gin i love gin uh pink gin pink gin's all right yeah, yeah yeah i'm a big fan of um i'm a big fan of wine red wine particularly i hate beer absolutely i think it's a disgusting f- flavor and with beer drinkers they always give you that thing of like you've just not tried the right beer and you go no no it's the base level i don't like it's the <laughs> beer taste it doesn't matter how you flavor the beer it still tastes like fucking beer like it's it's like if somebody goes you don't like pizza or if you had pi- Pineapple pizza. I don't like pizza. <laughs> oh, but what about pepperoni? I don't like fucking pizza. It's the pizza. I don't. It doesn't matter what you add to it. I don't like the thing. Bitter is not a fun taste for me. I'm not. I'm, I'm not a massive fan of beer. To be, no. you, can, you can drink it. I can drink it. You're just on Guinness because I'll drink it. Guinness. Yeah, I really like Guinness. Do you? I fucking good man. It's really smooth. 
and I think that's the first drink. And I started drinking it because we went pub golf because lads and um, yeah, it was one of the drinks. And I, I'm very competitive and I'm not losing pub golf, so I'll just down everything. Mm. And I, I did the first few, which was like Foster's and proper grim beers and hated it. And then we got to Guinness and it just went down. And I was like, that's incredible. See, I I'm, I'm the opposite. It. If I'm in a pub and someone's trying to make me down a drink, I will just not, I, I won't do it. For, I bet yeah, you, you must, you Scottish and that. Oh, absolutely. Man, I love peer pressure. I think, <laughs> I, I think peer pressure is one of the greatest things in the fucking world. So, man, most of the cool stuff I've ever done is because somebody someone pressured me into you. doing it. Like, I would have such a dull life if like the first time I said no my friends were like okay then <laughs> like what a shit shit life I'd live you're literally just describing mine yeah man <laughs> peer pressure is wonderful like don't get me wrong like as long as you're hanging out with like semi-decent blows yeah but yeah like I, 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 if so they're all many... smackheads then don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I mean you try it once it might not be for you <laughs> Daniel what is we, we always ask this very mundane question to start what's your go to meal deal Oh, um, are we talking about fucking sandwiches here? Yeah. So, so usually we say what what shop you going for for a meal deal? All right, and then, and then you got your sandwich snack drink. Uh, WH Smith, man, like it's it's WH Smith is what I miss when I'm not in the UK. Right. The UK is the only country in the world that does decent sandwiches in in in, in shops. Really? There's no, you know the you know the good old fashioned like cut and fucking triangles. They're both there. Yeah. It's only the UK that does actual decent versions of that. Uh, in America, they I think they just run them through water, <laughs> like the bread <laughs> itself is soaked in water, and then they just put on a pile of shit. Uh, Europe just has sad like parts of Europe when you get sandwiches there, you need to tell them that the war's over, <laughs> whatever war they were involved in. It's real bad. They do seem like they've been sat there for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's mm. real bad. I like uh, I go for the chicken and bacon. Yeah, that's just it's a, a choice. solid choice. That's sweet. Right. Uh, Iron Brew is the it's the nectar of the gods, Scottish. and I'll fight anyone that says otherwise. <laughs> is so? Is that not a stereotype? Then is that literally all you lot drink Iron Brew? There is only uh, two countries in the world where Coca Cola is not the number one sold drink in the world. I don't know the other one, but I know one of them is Scotland, and it's because Iron Brew it sells more. It's the only one of the only two countries in the world where Coca Cola is not the highest selling. Does drink. it taste different over there? As- Iron or is it all? Yeah, Iron Brew. Well, man. Well, there's been huge controversy in the last year because they changed the they changed the fucking recipe to take sugar out of it. That's Jamie fucking Oliver. That yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it probably is dipping his fingers in everything. And it, look, I was fine with school dinners, but you get your fucking hands off my goddamn. His restaurant's gone into administration anyway. So fuck so. him. Which is <laughs> no, it's a shit. I went. To, I actually went to Jamie's Italian uh, the other day when I was in Perth, Australia, and I went there three days in a row. It was very nice. I was genuinely devastated to find out shut down. I'm it just three I'm days just, in a row is a bit intense. I'm just shocked they're, they've got. I'm over there. Yeah, oh man, and because it's Perth, Western Australia, they'll, they'll not get the news that it's an administration for at least another seven years. So he's <laughs> going to be making a lot of money in Australia for a while. So, um, what snack? Uh, it's either got to be, I can, I've, I'm 28 years old and I've never pronounced it correctly. Uh, Worcestershire sauce flavoured crisps, Walkers. Really? Those are the goddamn. I didn't even know you could still get them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Either that or pickled monster munch. You um, love a monster munch. Yeah. Oh, monster just, munch is, is you've just gone up even higher in my estimations. Yeah. 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 Have you I, had the red hot ones? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, that, that was just when I when I first discovered marijuana. That was like all. <laughs> that was just my munchies down to a tea. Was just as many monster munches as you could possibly get. Your that was you when you came and lived with me in Bristol. For that, I say lived. You just wouldn't leave. Right. He came to Bristol for about a month, and I remember we drank literally every night. Yeah. And every day you went and got a meal deal just with monster munch. Did I? Yeah. You all. Always had monster so I was cool even pod- back then. Well, <laughs> so Dan, you're obviously you're 28. Yep, you've been doing comedy for over a decade. No, nope. that's a long time. Was it always your dream? Um, I think I think so. Like in a weird way, it was, but I was too thick to realise it. Right. Like I'd watched stand up since I was about five years old with my dad. Like I remember just being up in my room. Uh, in bed and like hearing my mum and dad laughing downstairs and laughter was always a big part of my family I was like I need I need to know what makes my parents laugh that much like because I want to laugh at that much right and I came downstairs and they were watching stand-up comedy uh, I can't remember what it was I think it was Jack D and I laughed my ass I was I was only laughing at the swear words like I didn't understand what all I knew was there was a man on stage and he was saying fucking shit <laughs> and, that was, and my parents were laughing and it was the funniest thing in the world to me yeah and uh, I just became obsessed uh, with it from then on because my parents were huge stand-up comedy fans so I just watched stand-up comedy all the fucking time every fringe me and my dad would go through and watch stuff 
Uh, comedy was a big part of my life. And then I did like stage uh, acting for a while at the Adam Smith Theatre in Kirkcaldy. Uh, up in Fife. Just because my mum wanted me out of the fucking house. <laughs> uh, she just hated having me in it. Um, just because she works for the UN. So she's, she's got like a real job, and, but she works from home. Yeah, your, uh, your parents are quite smart. Oh, my parents are geniuses. Uh, so it's just my mum's at home trying to sort out the world. And I'm laying like, what can I? She's like, get the fuck out of this goddamn house. I'm trying to save the planet. Um, so I did state acting for a while, but I didn't like the acting side of it because you don't know how well you're doing with acting. But I like doing the comedy side because there's an instant feedback and I was in control of that. Right. Oh, so did you, you always knew that you wanted to be a performer? Yeah, but yeah. To what capacity you weren't so sure? Well, I, knew, I knew I wanted to. I knew I wanted to be on stage and I thought it was I thought I wanted to be an actor despite the fact that I only liked doing comedy and I loved watching stand-up comedy and I liked writing it and it took me so long to go I think it took my mum to be like why don't you try stand-up comedy and I was like oh yeah that's why you're the smart one and she's like no I've, I've just raised a moron that's all that's all that's fucking happened your dad's um your, what, what we 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 wrote this down what does what does your dad do it's very fucking clear he's got 10 pat you said oh, he's, got, he's got bare minimum 10 patents to his name he's uh, my dad's a computer programmer but he's just he's one of the smartest men in uh, in the world my dad was on um three seasons of robot wars <laughs> and uh created a robot that the bbc described as illegal <laughs> What makes it illegal? Oh, it was it was one hundred percent illegal. <laughs> like, there, was, there was no way we were like. There was a, I don't know how much you mean. Did you watch Robot Wars? Mm, yes, I right, love Robot yeah, Wars. Childhood. What is a fuck? Right. Mm. So if you're bad, if you, I'm on YouTube on Robot Wars, there was, there was a, a robot called Bot Out of Hell. That was one of our many many robots on the show. Uh, there was. Do you remember Hypnodisc? Yes. Yeah. Right. So everyone remembers Hypnodisc has a horizontal disc. Hypnodisc. I think it was about 17 horsepower and it was a, a aluminium uh, blade. My dad saw one season of Hypnodisc and was like, that's fucking great. That's such a good show. It would spin fast and destroy robots. So instead of, you know, putting 30 kilograms into the blade, my dad got one of the diamond encrusted blades that they use on oil rigs for cutting through miles and miles of rock to get to oil. He got one of his mates who works on an oil rig to steal it. Uh, and he basically cut it. It weighed about 75 kilos itself and you, it, you, the maximum weight of your robot is 100 kilos. So he managed to like cut bits out of it, get it down to 50. And then it was just, he put it horizontal so it was spinning backwards. And it was about, I think it was, nine times more powerful than Hypnodisc's one. And uh, we did one audition with it in uh, uh, Glasgow where the opponent's robot was swept off the stage. And then we took it down to the London heats and we uh, revved it up backstage and just one of the hell... And we had to do it... My dad had to do it inside a bulletproof fucking chamber (laughs) to get it right. And just one of the health and safety guys was like, you cannot under any fucking circumstance use this <laughs> like this is so illegal he was like what illegal on the show they're like no illegal in the UK we don't know how you made this like this is <laughs> this is not allowed oh um, there shouldn't be any kind of constraint. No, man but if this thing came out like it goes through rock it would have got doesn't matter how thick but it would have gone through all of the fucking if it just if something went wrong it would have gone through and killed 90% of the audience members <laughs> so they were just like you can't use this so we went on the show we got absolutely fucking dusted but because my dad being the genius he is like came off stage in the house robot guys were just like how did you get it to do that my dad was like oh you do this and he was a giant nerd and they were like do you want a job for like three weeks so i spent three weeks like off school in like in the robot wars fucking arena as a 10 year old fucking stealing sweets off of craig charles fucking kissing (laughs) philippa forrester living the goddamn dream was blessed that's mental i just want to quickly go back to when you're at school because i guess I'm i'm a bit of an inspiring comic myself and um at school, I kind of, I didn't realise until halfway through that I quite like making people laugh. And then I was just kind of one of them little dickheads that would do anything for a laugh that got myself in trouble. Is that, were you like that? Or Because some comedians that have come on, they said that they're like quite introverted. They're quite, it's one end of the spectrum, really. Um, I, th- I, I think I used to, oh, I don't know if I've ever been introverted, but no, I was never, man, I'm a, I'm a fucking stickler for the rules like, oh, yeah. a lot of the time. Like, in some senses, like, mm. s- certain rules, like, I never want to annoy people, I never want to piss people off, like, especially fucking authority, mm. because I'm not one of those sticking to the man. Don't get wrong, I'm still going to do drugs, because fuck <laughs> you, that's my decision, I'm an adult. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll break that law, grow up. <laughs> like, there's, no- there's nothing you can do to stop me doing that. Put me in jail, I'll still do it there. <laughs> like, uh, but with other things, like, I, man, I, I don't want to fucking piss the teachers off I don't want to do anything I, I liked I liked trying to get them to laugh like that was the fucking challenge was if you can get a teacher to laugh that's very it's very easy to make your mates in class laugh because mm. all you have to do is just you know show off a little bit yeah. whereas getting a fucking teacher to laugh is quite the challenge and um, I enjoyed 
Yeah, I mean, there was funnier kids than me in school, one hundred percent. Like, uh, I wasn't voted the I wasn't voted the funniest in my school. And really, I, and I wasn't. That's weird because I don't know if it's my ego that perhaps get in the way. But when at school, I'd know because I think even from sort of like just as I was getting into high school, I thought I want to do comedy in some capacity. When, like you just said, other people are outshining you in that respect. Mm. Does that not? Dishearten you because if you think if I'm not the funniest one in this room, how am I going to be the funniest one in theatres all across the world? Like, um, well, Matt, comedy is the most subjective thing in the world. Like, there's comedians who are hugely famous that I think are utterly, utterly dog shit. Right. Like, I like I watch and I watch a lot of comedy. There's plenty of comedians I watch. I'm just like none of this is funny. But they're selling out arenas and they're destroying it, right? And and I've got no problem with that, man. Like fucking because they're not taking any audience away from me at that point like mm. first of all people go see more than one comedian at a time even if they've got a favourite comedian they'll go see a lot of comedy mm. and also it's not a direct competition like you know uh, they're not we, we've got different types of fans pe- different people like my comedy it's like when people come up to me and they go I don't think you're funny and I'm like yeah that makes sense <laughs> like man if everyone enjoyed my comedy I'd fucking hate myself yeah. like, see, if I, see if everyone across the board thought I was brilliant I'd be like I'm doing t- you're not challenging anything there. You're not pushing any fucking boundaries at any point. Yeah. If you're just, well, you're porridge, congratulations, you're filling, but you don't do anything. What made you, because obviously your Netflix special, or one of them is called Dark, mm. and, and you, that's kind of a bit of, that's what you do, dark dark uh, topics and stuff. Do you, what? why is that? Do you get a bit of a kick out of ch- like pushing yeah. the boundaries? Uh, it's a mixture of things. Yeah, it's a power thing. Like there's, you know, um, I, I like the feeling of, you know, when, when the audience is laughing for so long and you take away the laughter from them and how uncomfortable they get and they're they're waiting for you to make them laugh because they can't make themselves laugh in that moment. Mm. And if they do, they come across as a dick. <laughs> they're waiting for you to... And I, I always enjoyed that. But then also, man, I will joke about absolutely fucking anything. Like, I think... Uh, and and we all do, and mm. I and I, I every everyone makes horrible jokes when they're in fucking private company. I, yeah. I don't care who the fuck you are, and if you don't, you're the dullest person that ever lived. Mm. We all have darker sense of humours than we pretend. We put on this mask when we go outside, and we go, "Oh no, you shouldn't say that," despite the fact that our WhatsApp groups could end every single one of our careers. Yeah, if they were a hundred percent, and that's and I don't mean that exclusively from you, mate. I mean everyone in the world. Everyone in the fucking world is in a WhatsApp group that if that WhatsApp group leaked, we're all dead. Like, our jobs are over. Yeah. We're, we're losing loved ones. Because <laughs> you just say fucking things to make your friends. You say, the, you know, you say things to your friends to trust because you can get away with worse jokes then because they know you don't mean it. Mm. Like, your friends, if I could say, I make horrible jokes uh, about my friends all the time about you know, their dead relatives or their, you know, uh, any dead loved ones. One of my mates' dog died and we made memes about his dead dog all day <laughs> because he, because you would never do that in public. If somebody came up to me, I didn't know it was like, my dog died. I would never be like, ha! Because <laughs> that's so awful. Yeah. But when it's your friends, you know I'm, you know I'm upset yeah. for you. you yeah. Know, you know I love that job. So what the funny thing is, is to do the most inappropriate thing in that situation because we can. It's the only time we can be inappropriate without getting into trouble because the only person that will get me into trouble is you and you know I'm joking. You know I don't mean it. 100%. Do you think that's a fairly British thing? Um, I think the Brits are the best at it. Right. Uh, I will also include the Aussies in that list. The Aussies have a f- wonderful... Uh, sense of humor um and and and, and it's surprisingly a lot of european countries i i i've i've I probably should come with you I, i'm learning a lot more about european countries as i go to them but yeah i th- i I, ju- I think we're all darker than we pretend to be uh, and because everyone especially in the public eye tries so hard to come across as fucking flawless and mm. perfect and pristine in every single way mm. that you need comedians who just come on and be like i'm a deck yeah. Like, I'm a dick, yeah. and I had an ex-girlfriend, and for a long time I wished she was dead. And then people go, oh, thank God. Oh, I've also wished my ex-girlfriend was dead, or whatever. Like, yeah. That's what, you know. Yeah, it, um, my my girlfriend um, is from a from a very sort of different upbringing to, my, to me. Like, her, her parents are fairly well off and, and stuff like that, where I'm from, like, a council estate. So I find... Off the bat, my my, my humour is a lot darker than hers. Do you think that upbringings like really have a big? Because one thing that touched me in, in in your special is when you talk about your sister, and mm. I was quite, I, I found it really funny, but I was quite shocked at how how much you you go into it. Does, mm. Do you think that that happening in in your life led you down the path of enjoying darker things to try and cut as a coping mechanism, or? 
Yeah, definitely. Like, so, I mean, my, my family's very, very funny. They always have been. Like, every single member of my family makes me fucking laugh. And the day my sister uh, died, there was no laughter in the house, obviously. Mm. Um, but it was, I remember, you know, there was laughter soon after as well. Like, and people were still sad. And that's the thing is I saw people sad and genuinely sad, but they were still laughing and that's what was getting through. Like my sister, while she was alive, made us laugh all of the fucking time. So it's very offensive to her memory for us to not still get laughs out of her even after she's fucking gone. Like it was, uh, I I don't know if it was necessarily a coping mechanism, but it just taught me like, it's fine to be sad, but you just, people s- seem to think that making jokes about sad things means you lack empathy or that you're cruel or vindictive. And you go, no, 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 no. I, I can feel more than one emotion at a time. Like, it's, this isn't, you know, you, you can mix things. It, we're, we're complex human beings. I can feel sad and still laugh. I can feel happy and still cry. It's, 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 because, you, you've, it's because you feel sad that you then want to laugh, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's like, yeah. And then also, something, man, some of the funniest shit in the world comes out when something bad happens, man. Like, mm. you're not expecting it, like it, but it just comes out of nowhere and it makes you... Like, I, remember the first, I remember the first time I made my parents laugh after my sister died and it was the day of my sister's fucking funeral now I wasn't allowed to go to the church ceremony because I was an angry little atheist and they just didn't expect me to be able to shut the fuck up or show any form of respect for my very religious family while I would just be saying being like this is all bullshit so they left me at home playing fucking Dreamcast and um, then you know they came back and they were taking the bit where they put my sister in the ground and uh, my parents are standing standing out like the, the steps with me and the horse pulls up and they're both just looking at this like eight-year-old boy just to see if this is the moment where it suddenly hits him, like, you know, that his sister's no longer there. And this horse pulls up and I just go, limo. And they were like, that's not a limo. And I'm like, I've watched a lot of cartoons. That's a goddamn limo. <laughs> and they're just laughing because it's me like in this fucking horse with my sister's body in the back. And they'd be like, where's the sunroof? And they're like, oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god, he's a fucking sociopath. Oh, man. There's nothing we can do. And and they're like and they're like, we can't turn up to the, our daughter's funeral laughing. And then so they're just sitting in the back of the church just laughing and laughing because it's the most inappropriate thing to do. And then we get up to the funeral and my teachers are there. And I don't know if I don't remember being young and seeing your teachers outside of school. It's weird. But it was like seeing a Pokemon in the wild. <laughs> like, it was like, doesn't matter. No man, my parents could have died in that moment. I've been like sad. That's a fucking teacher, man. Like, what is my and I'm waving to my teacher because I, I still know that this is all sad, whatever, but it's, you know, yeah. like it, it was just, and I made my parents laugh throughout that thing. And for, for me in those moments, I really enjoyed that. And that's why whenever I see my friends that are, you know, sad or whatever, I do try to make them laugh and I'm very good at it as mm. well. One thing that I, re- and it's a real moment of pride for me, my friends, you know, I'm, I'm the one that they come to, to talk to about things. Cause I won't bullshit. Like I'll just be like, here's a, one of my best friends, his wife, at the age of uh, 26 has just been diagnosed with cancer, which is horrific. Mm. You bet your fucking ass five minutes into that conversation. I was making cancer jokes. Right. <laughs> of yeah. course I was. And she was too, because it's, that's, it is that, that, it's not necessarily to fucking normalize it, but it should be to normalize. All of this stuff is normal. Tragedy is normal. Like mm. every, the one thing the world has in common, everyone, is we all know someone dead and we're all going to die. So the fact that we don't all talk talk about it openly and honestly, I think is one of the reasons why it still has such a fucking impact is mm. because people's reaction to death is so pathetic. Yeah, it's, to, it's taboo, isn't yeah, it? And, and it, it just doesn't make be. any sense. Yeah, like, it's, it's the same reason. Like, and I've very, I've got very, very few complaints about dark at any point. But there was only one or two, and it was just people coming out to me and like, I actually know someone that died, and I'm like. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> we all do. Oh, how fucking rare. Every person I know forever is alive. I'm the fucking fountain of youth, you psycho. Like, what are you talking? Of course everyone knows someone dead. Yeah. Do you think the fact that it's taboo makes it easier to write dark jokes, though? Because if it was so openly spoken about, everyone would go, well, yeah. 100%. But now, because it's taboo, you can you can go dark. 100%, yeah. And it, it's, it's the thing I keep saying. That if you do not want things to have power, stop giving them power. Right, the only reason I enjoy swearing is because I enjoy. Well, first of all, I'm Scottish and it's in my fucking blood, but it's also 
it's I enjoy the power of swearing, right? I, I enjoy it. Like, man, saying cunt in America is a feeling like no other. Just watching them all flinch and get terrified by it. And, and if you, if you, sorry to just like interject there, but if I, I find that if you use it like a swear word just in the right place, that can make the joke ten times funnier. Oh, and it is, man. Yeah. I've always, I think swearing itself is is uh, language. Language is music. Language is a song. Talking and you know, and the spoken word is can be very sort of musical points. Swearing is a drum kit in the background, especially when you swear as a British person. Now, the reason Americans don't like swearing as much as we do is because they can't swear. It doesn't fit in with their accent. The American accent is musical. They extend all their vowels. British accent and Australian accent, short, guttural vowels. Fuck. Shit. Cunt. Motherfucker. Right, they're short. It's like a drum kit. Fuck shit. Fuck shit. Fuck shit. Cunt. Mm. Fuck shit. Fuck shit. Fuck shit. Cunt. Motherfucker. 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 Shit. Bastard. 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 Fast. 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 It peppers and punctuates the sentence. When Americans swear because they're musical, because they're happy, they elongate the vowels, and that's where they go. Fuck. Shit. Motherfucker. And the swear words are five times longer than they need to be, so they stand out in a sentence. When a British person swears, it, for an American, they'll notice the swear word seven days after you've said it. Yeah. Yeah, They'll be like, yeah. I think he called me a cunt. Like, it'll just, <laughs> because you just, mid-sentence, you're like, oh, this motherfucking cunt came up to me. He was talking absolute fucking shite. But at the end of the day, I just changed the butt. Like, they, it peppers straight through there. Whenever they swear, it sort of stands out in that stead. Yeah. But the only reason swearing has power is because of how people react to it. Like, right. I would never say fuck again if people didn't get upset by it. Yeah. It's so funny to see yeah. a, sm- a word, something my mouth did, a, no- a noise, mm. a gut of noise. It's the closest any of us will get to being wizards. Yeah. <laughs> it's saying fuck in front of pensioners and just watching them going, <gasps> and fucking going onto their goddamn fainting couches. You said about um, people being offended by dark, or only, only a couple. Mm. When, how do you tend to react other than the obvious there? So the reason I ask is because I made a joke to someone not too long ago in the situation that made sense. I made a brain tumor joke and I then made someone who heard that joke cry. I didn't. I made a brain tumor joke. She cried because something mm. had happened in her life recently. And in my mind, I just couldn't bring, I didn't want to apologize because mm. the joke was not aimed at her. I knew nothing about the situation. Yeah. And then someone got- was like, are you going to apologize? I was like, no, I can't. Like in mm. my mind, I, was like, I can't apologize to something that wasn't directed at them. So when people, come up to you and say, well, I know someone that had cancer mm. or like, what do you do in that situation? I'll talk to them about it. Like, I just, yeah, like I, I, I also listen. Like, I'm not one of these fucking comedians where it's just like, oh, I don't give a fuck if you're offended. I'll check why you're offended and see if I care. And if I care, I'll absolutely make steps to not do that again because like, I don't want to accidentally offend someone. Like if, no. through, if through my choice of language, I say something that offends the gay community, like, and it's pure sheer, but and it, it happens, it'll happen again. But there'll be times when I say something and a gay person will be like, that sounds like you meant that. And I'll be like, oh, I didn't mean that. But now that you've pointed it out, I can see where it comes across as that. I didn't mean that. I'm going to try my best. I'll make sure that that doesn't happen again. I won't necessarily do an apology just because I don't think you, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm just never apologizing for a joke. Mm. Um, uh, but I will definitely take it into account. But then there's other times when people go, I was offended by that. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what you want me to do about that. Yeah, don't watch my stuff again. Yeah, like we we're now in a very easy relationship. Now. Yeah, I'm not here to impress you. You fucking hate me. Let's part ways, and I'll never see you again. Yeah. When it comes to um, people getting a, you know, there's always going to be stuff that you say that is going to affect some people, but I think a lot of the, the onus is on men sometimes, which is uh, going right. If I make a joke about cancer. Uh, uh, and not making, you know, obviously not making fun of people that die of cancer, but I bring cancer into the fucking joke and it comes up and you know someone that has cancer or someone that's died of cancer and it's a, and it's a raw wound as well. Like it's something new and you get upset by that. That's of course allowed. Like I've brought up something bad and awful and, 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 it, and it's fresh in your memory and that upsets you. And yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's what happened. And it was never my intention, but it has happened. And obvi- uh, you should just know that that's not what I meant. Yeah. You should have the emotional intelligence to understand that, of course, the point of my joke was never, ever, ever to bring up that horrible moment uh, for you. But if you're upset by it, I'll just go, fine, don't laugh at the joke. Do you want me to apologise for it? No. Yeah. I feel like environment matters as well, because if you go into like a Daniel Sloss gig and you're getting, and, and, and you're getting offended, it's kind of, it's a bit confusing because... 
by going to the gig, you're almost signing that agreement. Do you know what I mean? Does yeah. that make sense? Do you feel that way? Yeah, and, yeah. It, and it happens a lot. It's really good for my uh, comedy now is I, a lot of people know what they're they're mm. getting and it's just nice to, you know, I, I've genuinely never considered myself an offensive comedian because I don't try to be. It's not what I want. I don't, I don't go out with the, the, the goal to upset people. Like, do you think there are comedians that do then? Yeah, 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 uh, um, th- yeah, and they're mainly open spots and middle ground ones that uh, watched uh, Jim Jeffries and don't understand the nuance. Yeah, there are comedians that will watch your Anthony Jeselnik's, uh, your Jim Jeffries, your uh, Bill Burr's, your Frankie Boyle's, yeah. and they'll watch this and they'll see these amazing comedians do jokes that touch on the subjects of cancer, AIDS, poverty. Uh, sexual assault, all these sort of things. Mm. Uh, very rarely are the, the things you're talking about the punchlines of the joke. That's just the subject matter. Whereas bad comedians will see comedians doing these jokes about death, and they'll be like, "Death is funny. I'll just make jokes where death is the punchline." Yeah, and then I, I and then I killed them, and then I punched them. You go, "No, you've uh, you've fucking yeah. you've you've not. You don't understand the recipe." Yeah, yeah. It's when you don't see the intelligence behind it. Yes, and that's yeah. where the mistakes yeah. make. And that's the I th- and I think that's a problem of, that happens a lot with offensive comedy is people see uh, there are comedians who go out there to do that because that's what they think their favorite comedians are doing, and yeah. because they just haven't worked out yet. It's like in one of my recent videos, I moan about that YouTuber that bathed in bleach, yeah. or pretended he bathed in bleach and didn't disclaim that it was actually not fucking bleach when he's got kids watching. And then in the video before that, I was watching some content that I hated, and I was like in the cut with me just pretending to sip bleach, like mm. because I ha- and people going, "How can you moan at him for this when you're doing that?" It's like it's completely fucking different. Like I'm making a joke here, and it's clear I'm making a joke. Whereas this guy's done a video going, "Guys, I'm now about to bathe in bleach." So, yeah, so yeah. I think with with your thing when you said about that joke some people are just stupid some things <laughs> like that some people will just hear words like cancer and go i'm a f- i'm offended so you don't even you don't know why you're offended yeah uh, i wish you'd have had a conversation with that person and asked i want to go back to when you first first started stand up because it's something I keep meaning to delve into myself, and um, I'm just a bit of a fucking pussy. So when we have comics on, I try and learn from them. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like my own sort of personal lesson. So one th- one issue I have is when I write a piece of what I consider to be okay stand-up, I'll come back the next day, and because I know it now, I will just find it the least funny thing ever. Mm. How do you trust your your content? How do you trust your, your bits? Um... Good question. I, I, um, I get bored of my bits. I mean, I'm doing the, I've been doing this tour f- since fucking September last year and it's doing the same jokes every night. I forget why the jokes are funny. And I guess this, when you do them over and over and over and over and over and over again, it's like saying the same word over and over again. It stops making sense. You stop understanding why it's funny. Mm. Um, uh, it's the audience, man. Like you just, I, A lot of my confidence comes from I've been doing this for so long and I'm very good at what I do. So... My either joke or not, I still write some fucking shite, but there's a lot of the time where I go, the joke will be shit, but I know there's something good in it. Mm. Uh, I just trust myself a lot, and that it, it just comes from doing this for so long and being an arrogant sack of shit. To be honest with you, that that is pretty much like when we had Gervais on. He said exactly the same thing because that's what I, I I sort of admire most about you guys is, is the sheer fucking bravery to go out there and do something. And and I think even even you'll agree at your level now as someone who's who's sort of sussed it. You'll do gigs and um, there might be the odd joke that doesn't get a laugh. Mm. How do you stay firm in that moment? And, oh, they're they're wrong. You're a hundred percent wrong. And whenever, like, it's one of two things: either it's a newer, newer joke where I know it's funny, I and I haven't polished it enough yet, and I that audience not laughing is good because I'm like, all right, cool, it definitely needs more work. Mm. But man, when I've done a joke fucking fifty times uh, and I know it works, and an audience doesn't laugh at it, I'm just like, you're just wrong. Like I've just statistically, you're all an anomaly. I've been a comedian for twelve years. You've been an audience for thirty-five minutes. I'll tell you what's fucking funny, right? Like it's just, it's my area of expertise. And because I, I am, and the thing to, with audiences, I'm the biggest comedy fan in that room as well. There, yeah. There's no, there is not a single audience member in any of my audiences that has watched more stand up than I have. 
Like, it's my fucking passion. So if people are like, that's not funny, I'm like, you're wrong. Like, I ju- I ju- I'm sorry. I'm the fucking expert in this. You can, like, man, you can have your own taste in food. Everyone's got a different fucking palate. But you do not have the balls to walk into a Michelin star restaurant and be like, well, this is not really what I can. I kind of prefer beans on toast. Dig it. It's because you're simple. I'm a, con- <laughs> I'm a connoisseur. I'll tell you what's fucking good. Did, is that something you had to learn? Or, or have you always been that way? Um, it's self-fulfilling prophecy type thing. Like when I started, I started so young that I was too stupid enough to be scared by the concept of stand-up. Like it was just the arrogance of youth being like, why would I, why wouldn't I be the best at this? It makes no sense that this would be scary. And then I did it for long enough that, uh, uh, after about three or four years I was on stage once I was like this is actually quite an intimidating thing but I then had four years of experience behind it and then also the one thing you've got to remember is the audience is both the smartest people in the room and the dumbest people in the room at the same time they are the most intelligent in the room in the same way that if you are scared they can fucking smell your fear like if you give off any sort of not confidence they'll sit there and be like well if you're not confident in what you're doing why on earth should I be confident in your ability to make me laugh that being said, I think confidence is like uh, is the is the most apart from the female orgasm is the most easy thing in the world to fake. <laughs> right? I think it's so easy to fake confidence, and the first person that starts believing in the confidence is you. If you were look at fucking Conor McGregor, right? That's my that's my advice to everyone. Is I'm like just spend a day pretending to be Conor McGregor, even as a joke. And I guarantee tomorrow you'll be happier. Like you'll just be, <laughs> you'll be more confident tomorrow. So if you go on stage and you act fucking confident. And the audience is there. They'll go, oh, he's got, I trust him or her. Mm. Like they'll be, and even when a joke fucking bombs, only they know, only you know that it was meant to be a joke. So if you say something and it doesn't get a laugh, just don't blink. Yeah. Just Carry go, on. Yeah, and they'll be like, oh, I guess that wasn't a joke. We'll just move on in that sense. Fair enough. Do you notice a big difference in audiences? So your special was in America, which obviously for British comedians can go down one mm. way or the other. You even mentioned on one of your gigs that 40 people walked out fairly quickly mm-hmm. um do you, what made you want to do that in america such a big thing opposed to having a british audience that you know will f- uh, truly in, understand it in all honesty uh th- so jigsaw we filmed in uh, sydney australia just because it's one of my favorite venues and the australian audiences are uh, amazing uh we filmed dark in la just because uh i was told to really? Really? <laughs> i was told to what do you uh, think the reason is behind that? Um, for the American audience, because it was for Netflix and, and it's easier for the production team. So we had our own production team. Uh, I filmed Jigsaw myself and then sold it to Netflix. Right. Uh, and then with and it was part of a two-thing deal. So then uh, they came on and they were like, we'd like to do it. And man, I, look, I trust Netflix implicitly. They knew what they were doing. They're like, we know this amazing venue. We know this amazing director. We know all this. And I was like, oh yeah, that, absolutely that. Yeah. And, I, and they're like, we can get you. So I was just like, We'd done it once our way, and I was like, oh, "We want to learn." And you bow to the fucking superior knowledge of Netflix. Fair. So we let them um, sort of, yeah, just go through there. And do, do they have to? This might be a silly question. Do they have to vet any of the stuff before it goes on because of the American audiences? Uh, no, not really. Like, um, there's not like a maximum cunt level. No, 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 no. There would, there would have been like if it was on TV, yeah. absolutely. But the joyous thing about Netflix is, you know, they can do whatever they want. Right. Um, so no, I didn't really have to tailor uh, too much stuff. I would. I, uh, the only reason I don't film things in uh, Scotland is I recorded my DVD in Scotland, and the one thing I know about. Scotland and I fucking love my home country but I know what we're like as people and the, and and I know this is part, there's nothing nothing funnier than fucking up something important for someone there's just there's just there's just there's just nothing funnier than that at my best friend's wedding uh, I was fucking best man and there's nothing and I just spent the whole day just being a dick just trying my hardest <laughs> to not destroy the wedding but just stupid there's a photo of me standing behind his fucking bride right and it's just me giving the camera the middle finger right <laughs> just because it's funny to just ruin the occasional wedding photo and it's, I think it's a Scottish thing but like hey is this a big thing for you well, I'm gonna fuck up a little <laughs> and it happened at my fucking DVD record when I was uh, 20 year, 21, 20 uh, years old. It's just people were just like, they would heckle uh, and not in malicious ways and not in bad ways, but just because it's fucking funny to do that. And it's a, it's a uniquely Scottish thing. And I, I, know they'd, I know they'd probably be on their best behavior. If I went, hi, look, this means the world to me and I really need to fucking record this. They'd be like, yeah, 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 sure. All it takes is one. Yeah. So I'm just, I'll eventually will record something back in Scotland. But with the show I'm currently doing, and uh, it's 
there's I've still got those you know impactful moments in the show where I switch the you know the tone of it right and um, I just want to you know Scottish audience is, a, is an audience that I 100% love but I do not for any second 100% trust <laughs> not, not for a fucking moment I heard this um, I don't know if you call it a stat um, I, I was wondering if, if you've ever heard it you probably haven't it's probably bollocks someone sort of selling me up the river but Apparently, I, I noticed on a few um, gig posters that Norwich was often the first date, mm. and I can't remember who I said, but somebody said it was because Norwich audiences are literally like the most easy to make laugh. So if you don't get a laugh in Norwich, you won't probably get a laugh anywhere. Else. I've heard that. I've heard that too. Have yeah. you? Act, what yeah, about, yeah. specifically about Norwich? Specifically about Norwich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, was um, the uh, woman who runs the Norwich Players just tell me. I can't remember. In fact, I should be able to. Oh, I should know the name of the comic who. Stuck. I, I don't know who started it, but apparently it's uh, true. And Norwich are great audiences. There are some places in the UK, yeah. And it's, you never want to tell people this, but mm. you just go. There are some places in the UK that are just infinitely better to gig in than other places really? across the fucking board for really? everything. Yeah, yeah. What's the What's the best places for you? Uh for me, best places are uh, Glasgow is just mental, uh, but in the best possible way. Yeah. Every Every gig there in a second could just fucking turn on time, but it's 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 chaotic. In that sense, yeah. it's like uh, it's like trying to control fire. Like there's only <laughs> there's only so much you can do. You're just they're just been like, as long as I don't get burned, or as long as I don't burn down the place. Do you like that? Do you thrive off that? Uh, sometimes yes, and sometimes no. Like, uh, and my audience is very good. Like, there's some points in the show where you know I. I I fucking hate heckling. I think it's one of the rudest things in the world, not just to the performer, but to everyone else in that audience. Mm. Like people saved up money, fucking got babysitters for the kids, uh, organized fucking trips with friends to come out specifically see this fucking comedian. They all, most of the audience, they just want to hear what I have to say. Mm. And I'm funnier than you are. Mm. Right? And the proof of that is that you pay tickets to my show. Yeah. Mm. Here's proof that I'm funnier than you. You're facing this way. I'm facing this way. You pay to face this way, and I get paid to look this way. Yeah. Never, ever for a fucking que second question who's in charge here. But people, a lot of time with heckling's not malicious. They think they're helping. They think they're joining in, but it fucks with my timing and stuff. Um, so it, I, I, it's, I don't enjoy the f having to deal with hecklers because it's like I know what the show is, and I know there's times when I will interact with the audience. I'll bring in when I want to. I don't need the help. Do you ever have any malicious ones, or are, are they all just from a place of wanting to sort of join in? Yeah, most of the time. If I, oh, if I have if I have malicious ones, I'll turn on. To, I haven't had ones for a while, but I I do not like what I become. Uh, in those moments I know I can say the worst things in the world I, I, I know what's funny and I know how to make people cry <laughs> I, it's one of, I, I, I f very firmly believe that if you, most people in the world if you give me 20 minutes with them and tell me enough about them I'll be able to zero in on their insecurities and I'll be, I'll be I think I can make most people cry if I put my mind I almost it. want you to go in on me no it's 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 not it's it's not a side of me i enjoy it's, it's not it's it's a it's i can just run off the empathy it's it's yeah. psychotic it's not good it's not a good superpower yeah. well because the secret to the secret to uh the secret to actually upsetting someone mm. is you don't pick their first two insecurities because that's what they've been insulted for all their life mm. you pick the third or fourth thing the thing that they didn't know that you were aware of Right. And that cripples them. <laughs> that, that is quite. I quite like to see you cry. <laughs> Do you, going back to what you were saying about like so, making the worst jokes about like your mate's girlfriend and stuff like that. Do you kind of feel that being from Scotland and same here in England and stuff like that? If if you if they're the kind of people that do take offence. They're not really the kind of people for you. Like you can't yeah. have them in your in your circle. Yeah, like if people, yeah, people that are easily offended, and it happens, you know, uh, it happens a lot. People sitting on their house, you like, you make one joke, and like, actually, that's not funny. And I'm like, I know it's not funny. That's why it's funny. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The reason, exactly. Like th that's the joke. The yeah. joke is it's not funny, and I said it as if it was funny. Like there's nothing, there's nothing funnier. Sorry, there's there's nothing funny about hitting kids. There's just nothing funny about hitting kids, right? But if you're standing behind a kid and no one else is looking and your friend's there and you go, 
just behind, <laughs> just, just, and you're never gonna. That's funny. That's funny because I'm obviously not going to hit the kid because yeah. that would be a horrible, horrible thing to fucking do, and I would never do that. Because it's not funny to hit a kid. I go, I know it's not funny to hit a kid. That's why it's funny to pretend to hit a kid because it would be the worst thing to do in that situation. Man, my my. Uh, my girlfriend and I, I say we say the worst things to each other. Like mm. the worst things. One of my, our favorite things. There's not. There's nothing funny. There's nothing funny about domestic abuse. There's nothing funny about domestic abuse. My girlfriend is about five foot two and weighs about. Uh, she's this big. She's a tiny little person. It's we find it funny if occasionally we're walking around the supermarket and she drags my hand, being like, "You always do this," like because there's nothing funny about the real situation. With that. But in this scenario, it's you know, it's it's a safer version of it. Like that's that, and 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 there are some people out there who go, "I don't find that funny." And I'm like, "Cool, don't ever talk to me again." Yeah, because yeah. I am not willing to spend the rest of my life walking around the eggshells that you've created. Yeah, like I don't. I never ever, if I ever have friends, I've, I've never have, but if I ever had a friend that was like, I was actually upset by what you said. I'm like, oh, cool. Never, like, we're done. Yeah. Because you're a cunt for <laughs> thinking I meant that. You're yeah. the bad person. Like, if you get offended by what I say to you, that tells me what you think about me. You think I meant what I said. And fuck you. How dare you think I'm that person? I've got no interest in you anymore. Have you ever found that when you meet or say your friends introduce you to new people, do you ever find that you go harder in a new situation? So you'll say worse things because they're new oh, people? As a or... test. Um, sometimes you test the ground uh, and then sometimes sometimes it's just sometimes it's just, it's just not worth a thing. Like it's also if I did if I had this sort of sense of humour with everyone, it wouldn't be fun. Like it's nice to have, you know, layers of stuff. Like I get away with a lot of stuff on stage because my audience know most of them are jokes and yeah. that's why I can get away with it. Stuff that I wouldn't get away if I was to just, you know, if I was to just say it in the middle of a street. But then there's other stuff that I say to friends that I would never in my life say on stage, ever, under any circumstance. And then there's also a level of friend beyond that where there's unrepeatable things that even in empty houses we whisper to each other. <laughs> and it's that. I, I think it's it's important. To, I, don't, I don't want all of my dark humour out of the world. You let some of it go to the dark, but some of it has to be personal. And again, I understand it's not for everyone. And, you know, I wouldn't want to say there's any right or wrong way to live your life. But for me... I, I, I kind of do that. Like, I'll say, I'll just voice note you the worst things I can think of sometimes, and they don't even have to be jokes. It'll be out of the blue as well. I'll yeah. just be sat uh, as soon as I see that you've sent me a voice note. The first thing I'll do is turn my phone as quiet <laughs> yeah, as possible. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. one else can hear this. It could be completely innocent, just like what time you get into the train station, yeah. but because it's him, I know I need to make sure no one else hears it. I first. get a kick out of it. What when uh, again, not to fuck it, I was, I was speaking to you just off air about how people ask about Gervais, but and, and that I answer, which makes it seem like I talk about him a lot but for the sake of having a comedian on I want to run a quote by him to you and see if you agree with it he not word for word but he pretty much said that there is a perfect joke and that he wants that perfect joke I was a bit that was probably one of the things he said that I was a bit 50-50 on like I don't I personally don't know if there, there is a perfect I think there can be but it needs to be specific to the person which so, is the issue as you've said comedy is subjective mm, mm. so there's going to be a perfect joke to each individual for, for that person so for, his, for that character for his humour yeah. he will have a perfect joke and he obviously doesn't think he's written it yet because he's right. still trying to find it yeah. but then that could be completely different with your humour I've had um, a couple of my jokes where I've been like oh, that's fucking belter that is like proper felt like a real comedian being like you know I wrote that as a comedian one of the highest forms of praise you can ever get from other comedians is when they see you doing a joke and they come up to you afterwards and they go fuck you like fuck you for coming up with that one like I wanted that and I've done it to so many comedians where I've been like I'm saving that you wrote that joke and I didn't because it's so perfect and so fucking obvious it was all right in front of us and we all fucking missed it um, I don't think I've found my perfect joke yet but you know um, I enjoy the ones that are close to it and I, I sometimes throw in just fucking silly jokes there are at least four jokes in my show that are just for me Yeah, they're just little things that just make me laugh little they, ne they never get laughs from the audience but it's just I'm like it's not all for you I need to stay sane up here and yeah. it's just and sometimes I find it funny the way audience is react to things what what makes a good joke I know that's a very broad question um it, it, it's a surprise it's it's a mixture if you want to um 
I, I recently spoke to uh, Gervais about this. Mm. Uh, what laughter is, is they tried to work out what the uh, lowest form of animal that laughs was. And they've discovered it to be rats. So if you take a rat and you put it on its back and you tickle its belly, it will let out sort of squeaks, which are which is the rat laughing. So they were trying to work out why is the rat laughing at that. And what they realized is, is because it's a safe violation. If that rat was on its back and a dog was attacking or a cat or an eagle or whatever, and the script, that's that rat about to die. Mm. That's the most terrifying vulnerable position for that rat to be in. And you're doing that thing in a safe way. So you're doing a minor version of the awful thing. And that's why the rat is laughing. It's a safe violation. I think all comedy is that. Is here's this awful thing, and I'm going to say in a way that we obviously know that I don't mean it. So I think the perfect joke involves something where it, it, it's that, which is, for me, my perfect joke is, that is absolutely a horrible thing that's so fucking bad to do, but you phrased it in such a way that it's it's safe. You've made this thing that shouldn't be laughed at, laughable at. That's it, power. And that's like giving the audience the freedom yeah. to say, you can do this now. You can yeah. do this. Like I, th- nothing, nothing, you know, there are powerful, horrible things in the world and the great equalizer for all of them is, is laughter. It doesn't matter how, you know, if, you, if any bad moment you have in your life, if you're able to laugh during that, you've absolutely fucking bitched it. You've slapped mm. it in the face. It doesn't matter what it is. The first laugh after all these things is you instantly it doesn't matter what hardships fucking befallen you the second you're able to fucking laugh at it doesn't matter how much it beat the shit out of you you've won yeah the second you're able to laugh at it you've won do you think that's what keeps you what does keep you motivated um i love this job more than anything Matt. like i never when i started thought i was going to be a comedian like i never thought i would ever get to this fucking level um it's a healthy mix of this is my dream job and i don't want to lose it and then ego as well. Like mm. I, as someone that grew up loving comedy, I want, I, I, I want to be one of the best comedians in the world. I, I want to be. I want. I want to be. You know, eventually one day said in the same breath as the comedians that I say when I list off the best comedians in the world. Who would they be? Uh, Bill Burr, Bull Burnham, uh, Ricky Gervais, uh, Anthony Jeselnik, uh, Tig Notaro, uh, Catherine Ryan, Zoe Lyons. Um, there, I mean, there's so many other things I just grab, but, mm. but those I want. I want to be, you know, I want. I'm I all the comedians I want to look at. I want, you know, fucking twenty, thirty years time, the comedians to start out to be looking up to me, like because that's that's how I started, and that to me is the sign of success, mm. and it's absolutely ego based. Yeah, and I don't know what you want me to do about that. That's that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm so glad there was one name that he said that just lit my face up. Bo Burnham. Yeah, Bo Burnham is. We were speaking about Bo Burnham literally five minutes before you got. I, here. Lo- I love I love everything he's ever done. I, I watch uh, What about three times a year. I mm. think it is one of the. I I, I just think he's a genius. Mm. I think yeah. he's one of Bo Burnham is the reason I will never be the greatest comedian my age. Where he's one month for one month of the year, I'm the greatest comedian my age, <laughs> and then and then and then it's my birthday, and I turn the same age as Bull Burnham again, and it's, and it's another eleven months of second place. <laughs> have you yeah. ever have you ever met him? Yeah, man. Really? So uh, when Bull came over to the Fringe back in two thousand and. It must have been two thousand and ten. So this was back when he was doing um, words, words, words. Mm. He had a bit of his YouTube success, and he came over to the. He came over to the uh, fringe, and there was a lot of you know a lot of comedians being like, "Who the fuck's this YouTube star?" I think he was the first ever. Who the fuck's this YouTube star? Yeah, because all we knew is this guy had a bunch of YouTube videos online. And one of my friends really, really liked him. I'd never really watched any of his stuff. I was just like, and he was young, and he had the same hair as I did. I'm like, who's this fucking American coming over and <laughs> yeah. do my thing? And then I was like, you know what? Go and see what he's like. And he blew me away. Like, mm. just, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you and I aren't even in the same league. I And it was just, and I was instantly able to just be like, it was no longer a competition, right? Yeah. It's, it would be like me playing against Man City alone. <laughs> like, you just go, oh, there's like, okay, yeah. this is just fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, uh, he, uh, we, we, we bumped into each other and, uh, yeah, he was a fucking sweetheart. We spent a lot of that festival, you know, every couple of nights he'd come round to mine, we'd just get fucking high and talk shit and, you know, play f- card games and get drunk. He was, he was so nice and so... 
uh, lovely and um, yeah, I bumped into him a couple of months ago in in LA and he's because uh, eighth grade had just come out. I don't yeah. know if you've seen that. Yeah, yet. I've seen it. Yeah, br- br- yeah. I I, yeah. I, th- I think he's. I just think he's a fucking genius. Yeah, I, 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 it's kind of he's one of those very few people that I will just watch anything that his his yeah. his name's put towards. What's your favorite? What's your give us your top three Paul Burnham songs then? I like Art is Dead. Art is Dead. <laughs> yeah, good. That's exactly the correct answer. Art is Dead yeah. on the green room with Paul Provenza. Yeah. That yeah. fucking song, man. It's, oh, yeah. It's I don't know. It just gives me chills when I listen to it. Yeah. And another one that gives me chills is um i never remember the name but it's the it's the kanye west um it's the, yeah, it's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the one at the end when, of, he, when he flips it at the end to get very meta about at the end of make happy yeah yeah yeah. i can't remember the name um and then what should we go for for third i like from god's perspective yeah class god's perspective class. Great. yeah i loved um uh the we think we know you yeah oh, we think you, yeah S- spoke to me on a profound fucking level it's like it, it it took me back to being an audience member, and that's why I really like about so many of the comedians I love is watching comedians that turn me back into an audience member. Because normally when I watch comedy, I'm trying to work out what the punchline is. I'm trying to work out, you know, just not you know, even trying to. It's just where my brain goes. The yeah. second you do a setup, my brain's working out the thousands of different punchlines. Comedians that are able to just make me just go, I'm an audience member. And when he did, uh, we think we know you. I sat in the audience. I was like, he wrote this song for me. <laughs> they specifically wrote this song just for me and he's doing it on tour how nice of him to do it <laughs> like I was probably just and uh, left and right brain as well I just think yeah, is great song uh, oh, he's just a genius I yeah. did my um, university dissertation on sad oh. did you? yeah the, the, just kind of saying that within comedy you can be as dark as you want to because it's comedy yeah because you can say that and i did that because i did animation really weird link for a dissertation (laughs) but i was just basically saying that as long as it's pointed out and shown as comedy say what you want do what you want yeah and then people can choose to be offended or Mm. choose to enjoy it have have you seen i don't want to just spend this whole time speaking about somebody else's work when i'm more than happy it's my favorite (laughs) i love talking shop have you seen gervais's afterlife uh yes loved it yeah did you yeah yeah yeah, really loved it just um yeah just I, i I love exactly that type of thing, mm. which is just even in the fucking bleakest of moments, there's there's um, you know sadness. Like it's, I also think sometimes you just shouldn't let people be sad. Mm. Like if you see people as much as you want to be fucking sympathetic and be like, hey, I know you're going through a tough time, drag them out of it. Like yeah, people who are in real ruts, right, aren't gonna aren't going to bring themselves out of it like that a lot of time you got to remember that's one of the most crippling things about depression for people is it's just you should fucking grab them by the neck man like if if it's your boy or your girl they've got just drag them out be like fight no i'm making you laugh yeah it's just i'm sorry and it might annoy you cool then i'll make jokes about annoying you i'm not <laughs> it's just we'll get you back into the fucking ways of things and you know and and just not allow not letting people tell you what you can and can't laugh at i think mm-hmm. so much of that show was just been like all of like so much of life sucks mm. so much of life sucks and that's fine and we're all part of it but you can still find fucking joy in it mm, spot on spot on do you think you would ever write anything um sitcom sort of based? absolutely you would uh, yeah yeah but I, I i i know where i know where my skills are and i know where my skills are not are they uh, not transferable uh not from what i've seen so far i would love to like whenever i want i, I want to write things with other people i want you know whenever people are like you've got any ideas i'm like loads but i need a scriptwriter. i need someone that's able to come in and explain to me how to write scripts i'm, I'm good at learning i'm a very fast learner mm. but i'm not gonna fucking sit there and be like oh i can make people laugh for 90 minutes i can obviously write a sitcom like mm. i just you know um you can't do it like yeah, and there's so, and there's so much high quality fucking sitcom out there. It's, mm. it's going to be very hard to compete with the likes of Fleabag and stuff. Right? Like just, yeah. Like there's, I for me to write something close to Fleabag, I'm going to need a bunch of fucking writers. Right. To, you know. Yeah. Manifest it. Something I'm interested in, but ultimately, um, my heart is in startup. Fair, fair. And before we get to the last question, the uh, theoretical question, we always finish with a shit theoretical question. Um, again, personal lesson for me. In the past, because I've been such a huge fan of Gervais, I pick up a lot of Gervaisisms, and it's been almost at the start. I just completely ripped everything he did, and then it was trying to find my own feet and my own way in sort of like the comedy space. Although it just existed within YouTube at the moment, how you obviously have your influences, but you've also got your very unique way on mm. on stage. How 
was that something you had to learn your own style how does somebody go about getting their own style Should it, obviously it comes naturally it doesn't come naturally at does all. it not no first two years two three years of my career I was doing an Ed Byrne impression right. I just loved Ed Byrne was one of my favourite comics growing up still is loved Ed Byrne um, he's got an Irish accent people come up to him and be like are you Irish and I'm like no sorry I just occasionally do comedy in an Irish twang because I grew up watching Ed Byrne uh, and then after that I did uh, uh, Bill Burr impression for several years yeah uh, yeah my gay influence a lot Tom Stade influenced me a lot there's so many but you slowly manage to sort of shrug off the not necessarily shrug off the influences because you've got to remember every single comedian in the world is influenced by you know prior and Carlin and Hicks, even the ones, even the ones that think they're not influenced by those comedians, are because if you're not inspired by them, you're inspired by comedians who were inspired by them, mm. and it's this sort of through line throughout history that goes on. Um, you just start writing jokes that are more you, like it's instead of just writing jokes like "Hey, is this funny?" You go, "Hey, this is what I think. This is my opinion, and I'm going to make it funny." And it's more, that's when it becomes more you instead of just you know. Uh, do you, okay, here's what happened in the fucking news today and here's what's going on in the world. I would start being like, hey, here's this thing that happened to me and here's why I don't like this and here's the thing that's going on and here's my theory about the fucking world. And it's very hard to do your opinion in someone else's voice because it's not their voice. You can occasionally perform it close to that, but eventually, you know, it just comes out natural to you. Right, yeah. Um, and, it, and it's just, it's it's the, the secret to fucking comedy is is timing in two senses of the word. It's about the timing of the jokes and how long you spend fucking doing it. There's no, there's no, the only reason, the best comedians in the world, the reason they're the best comedians in the world is because they've done it more than all the other comedians. That's the be all and end all of it. It's the more you do it, the better you fucking get. That's, that's, that's just how it works. Fair enough. Summed it up perfectly there. And just before we go, a shit theoretical question. As we have you in, Dan, I've gone for a bit of a dark one, and I want you both to answer this one. Okay. okay. Um, so, you've got 100 balls in a bag, all the same size. You can't tell which ones they are without looking at them. 99 of them are blue balls. One of them is a red ball. You can have as many goes as you want of putting your hand in and picking out a ball. If you get a blue ball, you pull it out, you win a million pounds like that. But if you get the red one, you get stage four terminal cancer. Are you dipping your hand in? Are you having a go? And if you have a go, how many are you going back for? So how, how much per blue ball? So you get a million per blue ball. There's, there's 99 million up for grabs, really. But if you get that red one, you're fucked. Three. Yeah? Yeah, three. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> Very quick answer. Yeah. Nobody needs more than three million quid. <laughs> Do you have to stop once you get the cancer? Once you get the red ball, I should have said. So, so you're yeah, going. Well, I mean, once you've got that, you just keep going. You did. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have the ninety nine million. Then I'll die ninety nine million. Pouring it out. Yeah. yeah. No. What, yeah. What, once you, if you get the red one, you. I didn't really think that through. Um, no. Yeah. You, you stop and, and yeah, you're pretty much going to die. Yeah. yeah so. Three sounds about good. Yeah. I don't know. If I'd be happy with one at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to say like fifty, aren't you? No. Oh, I, like I like I said at the start, I'm a fucking pussy, mate. I don't know if I'd if I if I'd have a go. But you're also a gambling addict. But um, I reckon I'd be the guy that gets the red one. Someone's got to get the red one. If there's a hundred people in the room, someone's getting counted. Oh, you're all taking turns now. Aren't we? <laughs> I was I was sure it was just me in the room with the bag of balls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I reckon, man, maybe even one or two. Like I just, nobody, you don't you don't need more than a million quid. Like yeah. you just you just don't. Like is it is it taxed? <laughs> like, no, it's tax free. Oh, then, yeah. then just one, one is enough. Yeah. 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 The oh, likelihood of you pulling out just the red ball straight away is it's just, very yeah, minimal. Yeah. I would sit there. You, you, I pro- man, I'd probably, I'd probably go up to maximum fucking five. I'd say I feel, but yeah, man, I would. I, I but, would. But I imagine wouldn't, the I dread. Would, imagine. No, I, I wouldn't even flinch with the first two balls. <laughs> statistically, I'm a logical person. Statistically, it's absolutely fine. Statistically. That's how likely I am to get stage four cancer anyway. <laughs> like one, it's probably less. Yeah, one, one, in, one in a hundred is way less than the actual statistics of cancer. So by that logic, fuck it, I'll do 50. <laughs> like, fuck it, I'm just imagining some person with a needle there ready to be like, ah, yeah. you fucked it. 
No, you just get it from within. <laughs> just instantly. They don't administer yeah, it. Yeah, I have three three max. Yeah? I wouldn't, okay. wouldn't want to risk. And we're, we're all football fans. So uh, before you go, what what's your predictions for Europa League final and Champions League final? Uh, I know oh, you're a Chelsea fan, so I, I try and remove Chelsea the bias. Uh, I will. Oh, I'm very much able to remove the bias. I, um, obviously, I want Chelsea to win the Europa. Uh, I do not... Uh, we could do it. It's very hard to say. Who it's, it's the joy of being a Chelsea fan is you could see the greatest game you've ever seen in your life, and then we'll just be utterly dog shit for no reason <laughs> other than they felt like it. But you've got you've got to see Hazard pushing for it before. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. That's mm. that's the thing. Like, he came in after we signed. Uh, we he he signed for Chelsea just after we won the Champions League final. Mm. Uh, so it'd be a real nice sort of closer for him, and I think it would be great. If he'd, I would love it. I yeah. He's going to be really trying for it, but there's 10 other players who, <laughs> who aren't as good. Yeah, who you never know how they feel on the day. <laughs> and uh, this is going to be, uh, I'm a Norma Chelsea fan, and I want to say this to my fans in Liverpool. Look, uh, Liverpool is one of those cities where I was saying, as just f- across the board to be gigging there, it's one of the best in the world. Mm. I cannot live in a world where Liverpool win the Champions League. <laughs> I'm the same. Yeah. Like, I love the city, I love the people, but as fans, just shut your goddamn mouth. I can't do it, man. Like, I can't fucking do it. There's an amazing comedian called Adam Rowe. He's a big fucking Liverpool fan. I can't live in a world where he's happy. I can't, I can't do it. He's one of my good mates. I don't want to see him smile. Why would I? That's awful. That's the opposite. Uh, yeah, no. But realistically, can you see Tottenham winning that? Man, I couldn't see them beating Ajax, but there you yeah. go. Like, it, it's the joyous thing about f- the football things. I like Klopp as well, and I'm a Chelsea fan, and I and I and I hate Tottenham. Yeah, but I just Liverpool winning the Champions League is is as bad as England winning the World Cup, which is just so it's it's never going to end. It's never going. <laughs> yeah. Chelsea Chelsea won the Champions League about I think it was fucking six or seven years ago. We won the Premier League last time about three years ago. When was the last time? You, when was the last time you heard a Chelsea fan talk about us winning the Premier League? That is actually yeah. a very good point. When, when was the when was the last fucking time you heard a Chelsea fan be like, "We won it three years ago"? We, we don't mention it. Right? Yeah, we're no. very aware. I promise you, if Liverpool win the league or the Champions League, that's the next seventy years of all of our lives. <laughs> Liverpool still talk about two thousand and five. Yeah, the yeah, AC Milan finalist. Yeah. All I hear is two thousand and five, Istanbul. Constantly, it's a and it, come on, that was a fucking stunning game. And if that was my team, no, you know what? Our Bayern Munich comeback was also very. Yeah, Di Matteo got us to the fucking Champions League final when we we're having one of the worst seasons of life. That's a you know, for me, a story of similar sort of story of similar ilk, but. Mm. I just, I and I and I know this guy's supposed to win, and I I can't wait to go there and for them all to laugh at me and rub it in my fucking face. It's one of the joyous things about football fans. But uh, yeah, no, I never in my life wanted to ever support Spurs. Yeah, but, I'm a West Ham fan, so that's that's oh, nightmare for me. Yeah, yeah, I my, want Tottenham to win. My dad's a massive West Ham fan, and his partner's a Tottenham fan, so uh, that's an interesting house to be in. Daniel, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, if you haven't already, go and check out the Netflix specials, um, Dark and Jigsaw. They're both on there as of November last year, and you're off on tour. Yes. Yeah. Where where whereabouts you going? Oh, fucking everywhere, man. Everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Everywhere. Just go to DanielSlaws.com. Everywhere from uh, we're doing America, we're doing uh, Europe. Uh, uh, again in October a bunch of UK dates added I'm doing Russia in October if you've got any Russian listeners <laughs> um, uh, yeah just fucking everywhere dinosaurs.com perfect thank you very much guys this has been Jack Mate's Happy Hour cheers Stevie cheers cheers Dan This was a Radio Stakhanov production. production.